Hello and welcome to Binar TV. I am here with Michal Brodetsky, a senior developer at Binar Apps, and we're going to talk about programmers' secret language. How to talk with a programmer if you're a non-technical person. So Michal, tell me, let's talk basics. I am a non-technical guy who owns a startup. I come to you as a software house. What is the first step? Okay, so first of all, you don't need to be afraid because like 80% of our clients are non-technical, so... Okay. So, so I would be very afraid <laughs> to come to you with no technical knowledge. It's not knowledge. a problem for us, uh, because actually it is our job to guide you through the whole process, because creating a startup is a process. You will learn a lot. You will learn your product. You will learn some technological stuff, te yeah. technological idioms. So you don't have to be afraid, and uh, we will guide you and... So, yeah. But maybe, do, is there any basic programming knowledge which I need to possess before coming to a software house? Um, not really, because mm, you need to share with us your idea, yeah. right? So That's all I have. First of all, we need to know what do you want to have. Of course, sometimes you don't know what do you want to have, but... <laughs> but let, let's say that I do know what, what app I want to, yeah. and I can explain it to you somehow what I want this app to do. Yeah. What comes next? Okay, so let's say we arrange like the initial meeting, and we are trying to figure out what do you need exactly. So we are trying to spot possible pitfalls, possible issues, or some hard parts of your app. Because sooner we spot them, the job will be easier later. Yeah. And uh, so that's basically the initial meeting is, is very important because sometimes 10 minutes more uh, during the meeting, during the talking, will save us like three or four hours of coding. Yeah, that, that's how it works. And you say I don't need any programming knowledge, but... Uh... I guess that at least to understand what you're talking about, I should know some jargon of yours. So what are the basic terms uh, with which I should get familiar with before coming to you, just to understand what you're talking about? Okay. Of course, there are some, some words, but you will learn them, like deploy, production, staging, merge, pull requests. Okay. Uh, Is that Chinese? <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't. And it's, it's very simple because uh, even if you don't know uh, the word, so you can always ask us well, what does it mean. But we are trying to we are trying to uh, use as simple word as we can. But um, like like I said before, like uh, deploy or, or or production or staging is is very crucial because okay. when we deploy the app, we are just releasing. When we deploy to the production, it means that we are deploying it live to to people. Okay. When we are deploying it on staging. That means we are deploying it like internally. So only for us and for you to test. So you won't take me for a total ignorant if I don't know these terms at the beginning? Of course not, because it's normal, because uh, if you are not familiar with coding uh, uh, stuff and coding words, you are not familiar with, with, with these idioms. So, yeah, so uh, with your communication, you're using simple words, simple stuff, just to make a client understand it. How do you communicate with, with a client? Because I've heard that at Binar, you're connecting directly with a client. Is this beneficial for you as a developer? Yes, of course, because uh, each time I, I have a question, I don't need to go to some kind of person like uh, consultant or, or, or stuff like that. I just directly ask my, my client what, what to do next. Uh, 
there's sometimes during the development uh, there are some some parts that need to be discussed and they are not black and white and uh, to to discuss them to to be better prepared for them we just arrange a meeting we talk like an hour or, or two or even 10 minutes if it's sufficient and it clarifies much because it saves us time yeah. and it saves the client's time yeah, so you, you can get feedback from me as a client much yes, quicker than yes, you would yes. when, if there was some middleman Right. Uh, and talking about the process, uh, could you tell uh, us step by step after the initial documentation, uh, what are the next steps you take in developing an app? All right. So um, in the most cases, uh, we are creating the MVP, so the minimum viable product. So the, the application that just provides one main functionality that will earn money for, for, yeah. for you, for, for a client. So at the first phase, we are trying to um, isolate the, the scope of the MVP because okay. sometimes clients comes to us with, with a large project. I want everything. Yes, I want everything and it has to be like fireworks and stuff like that. But the, our job is to um, cut uh, the parts that we don't need at the start because we can go with a simple one. It's from my experience uh, in a startup world, um, Releasing the product as fast as you can is very crucial because you uh, get feedback very fast. So imagine that you are trying to create an application with your whole idea and you are 100% sure that this is the idea that will blow up and it's going to be awesome. And you are releasing it and you spend like three or four months on developing it and it occurred that only the one part of this app is, is valuable and it's, it's getting, it's, uh, generating your money. Okay, so, so, so if you want to create an app that does everything, you cannot do it quickly. You have to start from smaller things and then expand. Exactly, exactly. That's how it works. And, and our job is to, to scope the project correctly and advise client. So you might not need that, but this is the crucial part. So we might focus on that and make it very, very interesting and okay. attractive. So after you scope it to the more reasonable scale, how do you handle feedback from clients? Because client for sure will uh, tell you that his idea is right. How do you tell him that it's better to compromise at first and then expand and not the other way around? Of course, it's. Uh, I'm not saying that we are 100% uh, perfect programmers, right? And I'm no, not saying that 100 uh, the clients are 100% are sure. So like you said, we need to find a compromise. So it's, it is based on it on talking. Uh, if you talk with your client, you are gaining trust and the trust is very, very important in this job because if we don't trust each other, then our cooperation will fail. Yeah, and it seems like a very lean approach. You're very flexible in that manner. How do you handle feedback in a manner that uh, some software houses or some companies uh, tend to get a fixed numbers of feedback rounds, like three rounds of emails and that's it? Do you handle it differently? It depends on the client. It depends on the agreement we have like in the beginning. So if we decide to go like with three rounds, it's okay if clients insist to do that. Of course, we will not advise them to do that because like the last step 
of, of creation, of creating the application is technically maintenance. So maintenance and adding the new functionalities. So limited number of feedback rounds is very risky because you need to be sure that you won't have to do anything uh, further for that. Okay, so you are trying to do everything to develop a good product before releasing it to the public. Uh, what is the final stage? When you have this MVP, when it's basically done, but needs some testing, what exactly do you do to test the app? All right, so you can, let's say there are a couple of parts that you can divide. Like, first of all, when we create the code, when we write the code, when we gather the, the, the uh, specification, uh, we are creating the automatic tests for, for, for the code. And it is for our security and for the client security that uh, it is like automatically checking if, if something is broken okay. or, or You're checking for the backend. Right? Yes, right. So if anything new we add will broke something like we created two months ago. So we have a security for that. So that's the first part, automatic okay. tests. The second part is our QA uh, team, quality assurance. Uh, and there are guys uh, sitting and trying to uh, crush the app. Okay. <laughs> and they are very good at it, <laughs> I must say. Sounds like fun. Yes, and imagine that uh, you won't even like think about what they try to do with the application and how can they spot the, 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 the bug. Uh, so that's the second phase. And after these two phases, uh, we are releasing this, this code to, 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 to client, to staging, so mm -hmm. he can just, you know, uh, play around with it, with this particular functionality, uh, maybe get uh, some feedback about it if we, if he wants to change anything or stuff like that. So after these three phases, we are ready to go to production. So we are ready to to ship. Yeah. Okay. So it seems like you're uh, you're readying the app for the final release. And to me, it seems like uh, many uh, startups don't really do that because you see all over the place applications which looks like uh, continuous beta. They are not finished, they are buggy, they are not really useful. Why do you think that so many developers, so many startups ignore the face of the testing? Or maybe they are not doing it correctly? Um, I think that when creating the application, when, when managing the startup, uh, you need to um, develop a skill that uh, will help you to, to um, ignore to not be a perfectionist maybe yeah but try to try to uh, create a product that will uh, be uh, as much polished as, as you can good as enough. A, yes good enough um, because when you trying to be perfectionist you will uh, gather to, to, to run in a circle because you will be like, yes, you constantly something. try to change something and you will never release the product and you will waste a lot of money because you will try to uh, be as perfectionist as you can. Yeah, so, but there's always a room for improvement after the release, Of right? course, and yes, the clients need to understand that because uh, we can go with an MVP and we can like changing things very quickly. It, it, it is not a process that takes weeks or, or months we can change the product to look different in a in a 
couple of days. Okay. So, yeah. so that leads me to a very fundamental question. Is there an app that's ever completed? <laughs> I don't think so, because uh, every time uh, you, you check your app, you, you always uh, think about something new that you want to add. You, you gather a lot of feedback from your users that uh, it would be nice if you have this, if you, it would be nice if this will change. So you can like develop the application as long as you earn money. Uh, you can do everything uh, with the application, you can change it constantly. Yeah, and how important it is to listen to clients and uh, improve your application? Is it, is it really the core to uh, sustaining the flow of money from the application? Um, you mean learning from clients, right? Yeah, is it, is it when uh, clients or users develop your feedback, how important it is to incorporate that feedback for a financial flow of the app? So uh, the app can uh, continue to generate revenue. The truth is that you, you cannot be 100% sure that the change you made will make your uh, inf income greater. Because sometimes you can change one little thing and it could, it could take like 20 minutes and it will generate, generate tons of money for you. Oh. And other time you can spend like three months on some cool feature uh, that you think that you need that because a couple users uh, ah. told you that it would be nice to have it. And it occurs that you will only, uh, your income will rise a little bit only. So it is it's pretty hard to say. Effort. Yes, yes, exactly. So there is no like uh, golden rule or, or something like that. If that's so, maybe there's some case study which you can share where a small, seemingly small change really changed a bit from the user perspective. Uh, actually, yes. A uh, couple months ago, uh, we had an application. Uh, the application is used for um, having a, a large uh, data sets, like you can have some kind of lists for, for your companies, for your people that you are hiring. And uh, we introduced uh, a small thing because we introduced a mark as favorite button for a list. And you might say that it's not... It doesn't seem that yeah, big. Yes, it doesn't seem that big. But it, occur, it occurred that users loved it. And the number of uh, favorite lists are were gro growing like enormous. Okay, so seemingly small change, right? And yes, a really yes, big impact. Of course. Yeah, so uh, I wanted to ask you some fundamental question once more, because nowadays you read all over the place that apps are done, that the word doesn't really need any more apps. Do you agree with that? Oh, I think that it's completely opposite. Because, really? Yes, because now uh, even the fridge uh, is connected to the internet. So uh, if we tr continue to, to, to develop uh, in such a way, uh, in a few years, uh, we will have everything connected to the internet and someone has to write the software for it. <laughs> so okay. I'm not really convinced that uh, we have like enough apps. So there will be always room for new startups to Of course, there, uh, it's not uh, yet uh, um, introduced. So uh, I encourage everyone. And after IoT, we probably have another next big thing. Of course. So we, we live in a beautiful times uh, with, with 
uh, internet growing so fast and you can do technically everything if you got if you got a computer and an internet connection you can learn you can uh, you can write code um, you can publish you can earn money so these are good times to be a developer uh, yes it is <laughs> <laughs> okay. so thank you it was very nice talking to you thanks <laughs>